This is episode 58 of the Movie Bite Podcast, where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Wednesday, August 28th, 2013. I'm your host, here from the underworld, the Shadow Hunter, keeping you safe from the dark forces. I'm TJ. And welcome back to another episode of the Movie Bite Podcast. I am by myself today. For the first time, I have no co-host. Uh, Chad was going to join me, but he's just been so incredibly busy with uh, school and with uh, everything that he's got going on, and uh, he's just had a pretty busy day today. So um, he's not able to join me today, and I'm going to attempt to talk about uh, movies by myself today. Uh, I don't know how interesting that will be. I know other people who do podcasts, uh, just them on the podcast, Uh and it works okay for them. I, I actually do a one 15-minute podcast called The Wrap where I do that. Uh, but, you know, if you, you would really help me if you happen to be out there in the chat room. Uh, give a shout-out, say hey, and I'll try to interact with you. That would be wonderful. So, uh, in fact, I'm just going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Facebook right now, and I'm going to say, Hey, come join me. Join, oh, this is fun, isn't it? Join me on the Movie Byte podcast. I'm by myself, so interact with me in the chat room to help me out. And that will that will really help me out, I think, and give me something to kind of bounce off of. And I should put a URL on this. I know this is so exciting, guys, isn't it? So, hey, come join me in the movie, uh, on the Movie Byte podcast. I'm by myself, so interact with me in the chat room and help me out and posted and we'll see if anybody comes and joins me in the chat room so uh that would be fun you know i uh i'm kind of in a hot office tonight i uh i had to have a new air conditioning unit installed and then had to even it wasn't working correctly and had to have the folks uh come out and, and fix it again there was something wrong with the compressor or something uh so it, the air conditioning hasn't quite caught up so i'm going to be a little warm in this office tonight uh, but uh, I wanted to mention um, some of the great support we got over the past uh, week, uh, maybe longer. It's been a couple of weeks since I checked the uh, comments on the iTunes uh, store for the Movie Byte podcast. And we got two new uh, reviews, two new comments with five-star ratings. Um, C.S. Green uh, says, This is hands down my favorite movie review podcast. They keep it lively and always family-friendly, although I don't always agree with Draper and or his guests. It always... It's always nice to get a second opinion. Thank you very much, C.S. Green. It means a lot to me, and it's the reason I keep doing this podcast is because I have such great listeners out there uh, and why I'm even doing it by myself tonight, even though I have no co-host, because the show must go on. So, um, you know, I, it means a lot to me, and there is one other comment that I wanted to mention. And by the way, I do read new reviews on the air uh, just so that uh, you all can... Uh, can hear them and, and, and get recognition. This is Bookworm VA says, I really enjoy this movie podcast. I've been going through all their older ones. It's going to be really sad when I get through all of them and then I have to wait uh, all of them and I'm going to have to wait a whole week for each new one. I know how you feel. Um, I have a couple of podcasts that I listen to that I feel the same way about. And again, it's why I am podcasting. So uh, thank you for those kind words and reviews and for the five-star ratings. Those uh, were wonderful, and I love reading them and uh, really make it worthwhile to me. Uh, so and, 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 you know, we're such a small podcast, we really haven't gotten a lot of hate yet, so that's, that's good as well. So uh, let's dive in to the trailers this week and see what we've got. In a world. In a world. 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 In a world. <laughs> 
And this is going to be interesting because normally I bounce my opinions off of other folks and uh, you know, so this this will be interesting. This week we have Getaway Trailer Two featuring Ethan Hawke, Selena Gomez, and John Voight. The Book Thief starring a uh, trailer starring Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson. We've got a new Shield trailer called uh, titled The New World. We have Thor: The Dark World featurette, Divergent, Captain Phillips International trailer, Man of Steel Two fan made trailer, and it's really good. And Riddick saves a puppy in a clip from the upcoming film. So let's start with uh, Getaway Trailer Number Two featuring. Uh, uh, Hawk and Selena Gomez. I come home from work today. Doors busted open. It's blood on the floor. My cell phone rings. And this voice tells me, You have a beautiful wife. Listen carefully, Mr. Magna. You will go to the Vitasha Street Parking Garage. You will find a very special car. Steal it. So, um, you know, this, this, uh, despite the fact that I have no uh, love whatsoever for Selena Gomez um, in her acting career or whatever it is that she does, uh, this film does look somewhat interesting, and it doesn't look like she's super you know, prominently featured, I suppose you might say. So, um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what they're, uh, what, what they're up to in this film. Uh, let me see if I can find a synopsis while I talk about this, uh, getaway movie. Um, cause I didn't post one. I just posted the trailer, but, uh, you know, you can kind of get the idea that, uh, it, it kind of has a feel kind of like maybe, uh, taken, um, uh, you know, kind of my, maybe almost parroting it a little bit, but this guy is a driver. He's really good at driving. And so he's being forced to drive. They've kidnapped his wife and taken his wife. Um, so here's, here's the synopsis. Former race car driver Brent Magna is pitted against the clock when his wife is kidnapped by a mysterious villain. He commandeers a young woman's car and takes her on a high speed race against time. The young woman, of course, being Selena Gomez. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've not been a good uh, measure for trailers lately, um, as we'll find out in a little bit when I talk about the Mortal Instruments. I I liked the looks of that film, and I hated the actual film. So my track record here is not great. Uh, but, you know, um, who knows? Maybe, I, maybe it'll be uh, one that I actually get right this time or might actually enjoy. Uh, but we'll see. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm, I'm willing to give all sorts of movies a chance. Um and I don't really, you know, I, I kind of talk disparagingly about Selena Gomez, but, you know, I don't really have a lot to base that on. More, It's more of just a general feeling about the teen pop culture world thing, you know, so whatever. Um, so that's Getaway, and uh, the trailer will be in the show notes. Uh, show notes for this episode will be at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 58, because this is our 58th episode. So check that out uh, and see if you're interested in that one as well. The Book Thief trailer starring Jeffrey Rush and uh, Emily Watson. Let's see what we have here. Uh, This is the green. This has been approved for appropriate audiences. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. Here we go. My name is Liesl Memminger. I don't have a family or even a place to call home. I never understood the meaning of the word hope. But I'm about to meet the people who would change all that. Meet your new parents. Your Majesty. 
So, um, you know, this this obviously looks to me like a uh, a, a bid for um, the Oscars. If you're asking me, that's that's kind of what I think, and it certainly uh, certainly looks very interesting to me. Um, and this is uh, here's the synopsis: While subjected to the horrors of World War II Germany, young Liesel finds solace by stealing books and sharing them with others under the stairs in her home. A Jewish re- a Jewish refuge refugee is being sheltered by her adoptive parents. I really love the look of this film. Obviously, uh, Jeffrey Rush is a great actor, and, and uh, so that's going to be good. Uh, Emily Watson's a pretty good act, actor, actress. What's the politically correct term to use? I think it's just actor these days. Um, and, you know, I've only seen her in a couple of things, but she's been uh, pretty good. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This studio also was the studio behind Life of Pi. Uh, I didn't see the film, but many liked it, including, of course, Eric Rauch and Michael Minkoff, and they talked about the film on Movieology. Uh, I will uh, make a note to myself here to put uh, Movieology episode where they talked about that in the show notes. I believe it was the first one. So Movieology in the show notes here. Uh, so that was um, – they talked about Life of Pi, and they liked it, and this is the same studio behind that um, and uh, it's going to be scored by none other than John Williams, and it will arrive in theaters on November the 15th. I'm greatly looking forward to this. As much as I like a good action film, uh, I, I think it's fun to uh, you know uh, get a film that uh, isn't necessarily about the action but uh, has a good story. Uh, oh, hey, Jody in the chat room. Jody in the, is uh, regular here, and he's just showed up in the chat room, and uh, so hopefully he'll help me out even though I'm by myself this week. Uh, hopefully he'll interact with me a little bit and give me some things to to bounce off of and and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, the book thief trailer uh, that'll be in the show notes. And uh, Jody, I'll put it in the chat room for you um, in case you want to uh, see what I was talking about. Um, so yeah, uh, very very interesting. I like the look of this trailer. Like the look of the film. And uh, yeah, so I did make a little joke when I posted this trailer. Um, it's from Downton Abbey director Brian Percival, and I put in parentheses Albin, Al- Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore? Question <laughs> mark. Uh, those of you who are Harry Potter fans will get that. Uh, so we now we have a new Shield trailer uh, for the Agents of Shield. A uh, promo here. Let's see what we got there. The Battle of New York was the end of the world. This is the new world. I am. Through the eyes of a soldier through the what were you after? The truth. World peace. I'm a soldier. All right, so uh, this this trailer is more of a visual trailer with just a little bit hints of audio that uh, that I can play. Uh, one thing, even though I'm greatly looking forward to the uh, uh, to the, to the uh, TV show Shield, is I'm not that that music. Wow, that that was bad. <laughs> I didn't like that music at all. I hope maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe it's. People, other people think it's good music, um, but th- this trailer certainly does feel very Whedon-y. Um And you know, this is, of course is the first uh, first episode is directed by Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon is heavily involved in the series as a whole, and uh, you know, uh, there were times uh, in in, in I, I look back at some of Joss Whedon's previous shows like Buffy. There were times when he used pop music uh, or not not used scored music at all in his, his TV shows. Uh, there was one episode famously of Buffy, um, I believe it was called The Body, uh, where Buffy's mom had died uh, suddenly and she walked in and she was dead. And there was no music in that show at all. And uh, 
So, the, I mean, I can see certainly that this is a Joss Whedon, you know, fingerprint here, um, even though I hate the music. But, uh, you know, this is just a promo. It's not the show. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm greatly looking forward to this. And uh, certainly the visuals in this trailer are worth seeing. And so, uh, here, let me put that in the chat room. That will, of course, when this show goes uh, live on the website tomorrow on Thursday, uh, those of you listening via the podcast feed, that will be in the show notes for you. All right. Uh I believe, Jody, you mean uh, Joss Whedon? Just wondering there. Um, all right, so we have Thor the Dark World uh, featurette. Uh, let's see if this will, this, there's a commercial that likes to play on this. Uh, nope. As we leave Avengers and Iron Man 3, the spectacle and the size now is going to allow Thor to go back into his own world. Thor is stepping into the role of king and coming to terms with the responsibilities that becoming king carries. Part of the adventure of this movie is to go beyond what we knew before, so we will be off-world a lot more. We will be discussing... Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll just cut it off there. I'm really liking the look of this film. Um, I... um of of all of the Marvel films that came before the Avengers, I think Thor was my least favorite, perhaps. Um, and and even that, it, even so, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. It was just not, you know, it, it could have been better. I thought. Um, and, you know, of course, certainly after the Avengers, Marvel really has everyone's attention. Um, they certainly have my attention, and this film looks amazing and awesome. So I'm I'm just eating up anything that's coming out, uh, you know, from this film. So of course. This featurette is worth watching, in my opinion, and uh, I really don't have much more to say about it other than that. I think Loki's going to be featured pretty prominently in the film, uh, so that should be, you know, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good film. I think I'm going to like it far better than the first Thor film. So, um, did I already put that in the chat room? I can't remember. There it is again. If I didn't, um, so there you go, Jody. Uh, I've just got man, people, come join me in the chat room. By the way, if if you're not listening live, you're missing out. Um, you can interact with me in the chat room, and, and usually I have a co-host. You can interact with him, and uh, you can interact with others if you come and listen. And that's every Wednesday night at 7:30 Central Time. You can listen live. So uh, why don't you do that? Uh, if you if you're not in the habit of doing that, it's a lot of fun. You should do that. So let me move on to the trailer for an upcoming film called Divergent. Um, and let me, I did, I failed to have a synopsis ready. And normally I have a co-host who can talk while I find these things. Um, so Divergent Film, there's Wikipedia. Let me see. If she, IMDb usually has shorter synopsises. All right, so let me go ahead and play a little bit of this trailer for you as it, I want to do. Uh, why is my web browser locking up? That's not cool. Let me try again. Let me Let me reload this thing. Um, and let me, wow, Chrome, come on, come on, Chrome. Uh, right in the middle of the show too. Isn't that something? Uh, let's try Safari. I have Safari open doing something else, but, uh, see if, uh, let's see if Safari will load it better. Of course it's a flash thing and I don't have flash installed on my system. And this is so fun, isn't it? Just hearing me talk about my technical woes that I'm having here. Well, let me, let me tell you a little bit about the film. Maybe I'll be able to play a clip. Maybe not. Uh, Beatrice Pryor, a teenager with a special mind, finds her life threatened when an uh, authoritarian leader seeks to exterminate her kind in her effort to seize control of their divided uh, society. So, uh, aw snap, something went wrong while trying to display this webpage. No kidding, Chrome. Uh, all right, here we go. It's, it's loading this time. All right, now, now I can play you a clip. The future belongs to those who know 
where they belong. You're nervous, aren't you? Why would I be nervous? We're just gonna decide the rest of our lives. You're different. You don't fit into a category. They can't control you. They call it divergent. You can't let them find out about you. And what if they already know? Then you're already dead. Alright, so obviously, I think this film uh, is taking a cue a little bit from uh, The Hunger Games. Uh, I think that it definitely has a strong leaning that way, and it's certainly, the uh, you know, it's got the whole young adult thing going on, um, and, and my track record here is pretty bad, uh, considering that I thought I would like Mortal Instruments and it was a dreadful film. So at least I can recognize when a film that I thought was going to be good is dreadful and I don't just plow on thinking it's good. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, Jody, it definitely looks uh, like a dystopian film. I, I uh, Definitely. It's got that Hunger Games element to it. Um, and... Uh, by the way, for those in the chat room, there is somewhat of a delay, so you know you have about a seven-second delay as the thing buffers, uh, and so uh, that could uh, tilt our conversation a little bit. But anyway, um, so yeah, um, my track record here is pretty terrible, and uh, uh, I really do like the look of the trailer, though, um, just like I liked the look of the Mortal Instruments trailer. And I still say that if the Mortal Instruments had delivered on what it um, – on, on what it promised, what the trailer kind of promised us, I think that it would have been good. And I think the same goes for this trailer. I think that I can see a little bit of the cheesiness even in the trailer, but I still think there might be something good here. Um, you know, I, I like The Hunger Games, and uh, I like fantasy series in general, so I, I'm hopeful. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be good. You never know. Uh, so that's going to be in the show notes as well. Um, here we are. We have the uh, Captain Phillips international trailer. Let's talk about that. You all right? You think these trips would get easier, but it's just the opposite. Well, I feel the same way, Ange. You know, both our kids are doing great. It's going to be okay. I love you. Love you, too. Got Chinese titles and subtitles, because it's an international trailer. Or I guess I should say Mandarin. Skiffs approaching with armed intruders. Potential piracy situation. So obviously this is about the, uh, at least based on the real life story of Captain Phillips and the Alabama uh, uh, MV Maersk. Is that how you say that? I didn't quite catch that. Uh, I, I'm, and I so don't know these nautical terms and things. Um, but... Uh, you know, when you think of, as I mentioned when I posted this trailer, when you think of piracy these days, you tend to think of the geek in his mom's basement downloading uh, illegal songs and movies and TV shows. And this is the this is this film's about the real kind of piracy. This is about pirates boarding a ship and taking it over. And it's a it's it's based on a true life story of Captain Phillips. Um, and uh, so yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested. It definitely looks um, interesting, and uh, I, I like a good uh, drama. I like a good, um, you know, it doesn't have to have, as I mentioned earlier already in the podcast, it doesn't have to have the explosions and stuff to, to keep, keep my attention. In fact, some of my favorite films this year have been the dramas that weren't based on action. You know, you've got 42, for instance, uh, the, the film starring Chadwick Boseman um, and, and – uh, you know, this this one, of course, stars Tom Hanks, and uh, Tom Hanks is good in, in these sorts of roles, I think. And so I'm very interested, very interested, and uh, that trailer is in the show notes. Boy, without somebody else talking with me, it feels like I'm just blowing right through these, and I'm going to have a short show. See what I can do about that. 
Man of Steel 2 fan-made trailer, and it's really good. This isn't an official trailer, and I normally wouldn't put this in with the official trailers in the Trailer Bite section of, of our podcast here, but this is so good, I want to I share it with you. So here's just a clip of it, uh, edited by somebody. I didn't get a chance to read that. Mm-hmm. Look at you. What have you got in your life, huh? Nothing. Nobody. Oh, wait, yes. Don't try to manipulate me. As much as I want to focus on cleaning up the attacks, the protection of our citizens will always come first. All right, so uh, I definitely recommend watching this fan-made trailer, even though even though I was not a fan of The Man of Steel. Uh, and I, I didn't like that film at all. <laughs> I didn't find much to like about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I I'm, I'm famously perhaps was not a fan. Uh, famously is the wrong word because everybody didn't necessarily. No, no. You know, a lot of people really liked the idea, I think, of uh, of Man of Steel versus Batman. I was I was not uh, one of it, one of these people that, that thought that Man of Steel and Batman needed to get together in a movie. And, uh, you know, now we have the announcement that Ben Affleck is going to be playing Batman. And I'm even more against that. Uh, the only casting decision so far that I've been happy with is, uh, and, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, folks in the chat room, Jody, I guess you're the only one in the chat room tonight. Um, it, maybe you know. I, I don't think they've officially announced Brian Cranston, or have they? But uh, the idea is that Brian Cranston is now going to be playing Lex Luthor, and that actually seems like a somewhat good decision. But uh, it, okay, so anyway, despite the fact that I'm not like really looking forward to this at all, I thought this trailer looked amazing, and that's not saying like it's a. I, I mean, I did, it's just a well-made trailer, well put together. They they have, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm losing my train of thought here because I have nobody to bounce my opinions and ideas off of. So anyway, um, Man of Steel trailer. Uh, and they, they've, they've like gone and found footage of, of Ben Affleck that kind of fits with the uh, persona here and Brian Cranston. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still willing to give Man of Steel 2 a chance, even though I don't think I'm going to like it. And even though I hated the first film, uh, had nothing good to say about it. Um, even so, you know what? Uh, maybe they'll do better. I mean, look at the first Star Trek film. Uh, I, I was, uh, I, I, I was. I wasn't even born when they released the first Star Trek film, but I'm not a fan of the first Star Trek film. But look what came right after it. It was uh, The Wrath of Khan, which is one of my all-time favorite films. So maybe they can do something like that here. Maybe the first Man of Steel, maybe they have learned a lesson or two. You know, even uh, who knows that they probably haven't because they made so much money with Man of Steel. Uh, and I, I don't know the answer to that question, Jody. He's asking, are they going to call it Man of Steel 2? I don't know. That's, I mean, that's all we can call it right now. They haven't released an official title, as far as I know. Um, although they, I know they've talked about Superman versus Batman, but I, I can't imagine that being the title of the film. Um, <laughs> well, Star Trek always comes up, Jody. He's he's surprised. He's not. He's showing no shock that I would mention Star Trek too. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everything goes back to Star Trek. Everything is about Star Trek. So uh, that that's uh, Man of Steel 2 fan-made trailer. I definitely recommend that you check that out because it's really good. I was really surprised and shocked that a fan-made trailer could be so good. Now let's talk about this Riddick clip. And I'll play just a little bit of it here. (laughs) 
All right, so Riddick here is being attacked by some strange alien creature. Uh, and uh, toward the end of the clip, though, he takes the time to save a strange-looking alien puppy, dog, something or other. It's kind of funny. It's not not the clip I would have been uh, maybe putting out there for the marketing if I were on the marketing team. But hey, I, I'm no marketing genius. I just I have a podcast about movies. That's all. That's me. Um, so this is following up on uh, two films, Pitch Black and uh, The Chronicles of Riddick, uh, and this is uh, simply called Riddick. And uh, it is rated R. It will be in September. Uh, September. Uh, in theaters. It will be in theaters on September the 6th. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, that's all I'm really trying to say. And uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh I, I like the look of it. I don't know how I wasn't aware of the Riddick franchise before, um, and and I've not seen Vin Diesel in a lot of films. I've seen a few of his films, and he's decent. So, you know, maybe it'll maybe it'll be good. Um, and uh, and uh, Jody says in the chat room, and again, I'm going I'm going to the chat room a lot today to try to to try to bounce off of some folks and and you know keep it interactive. Uh, the trailer looks like they're going uh, the to going back to the pitch black things. Uh, and I really wouldn't know since I haven't seen Pitch Black. I actually just put them on when I posted this trailer, this clip actually, I put those films on my list to see before September the 6th because I do want to get caught up on the franchise. Uh, it definitely looks like a franchise I could be interested in. I mean, for sure. I, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this one a chance and I'm going to hope that I like it. It has uh, it has some uh, folks in it that I'm familiar with. Uh, the only one I can think of at the top of my head is Katie uh, Sackoff, who was in Battlestar Galactica. And for the most part, I liked Battlestar Galactica. I did not like the last episode, though. It was a terrible, terrible episode. A uh, terrible way to end the, uh, the franchise. Uh, and that was quite a... Uh, hmm, what, am I, what do I want to say about that? That was quite a downer. For a, 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 you know, it was it was always a dark uh, series, and it's not one that I would want to watch, you know, all the time, uh, given how dark it is. Uh, but I had hoped. I, I just I haven't. It's been several years now since I've seen it, and I haven't wanted to go back to it because it ended so badly. But I'm I'm almost ready to go back and watch it again because it was that good. Uh, so she is in Riddick. I don't know quite how big of a role she'll have, but uh, she's been in a couple of the posters. Uh, so that, you know, that's, that's definitely interesting. And of course, Vin Diesel is Riddick. I'm looking for anybody else here that I know. Katie Sackoff. I don't see anybody here. Oh, Carl Urban, Carl Urban. Of course I have to watch it now because I love Carl Urban. He's great. Um, and so, uh, let's see what else I have here. Well, that's it for Trailer Bite. That's all I have for the trailers. Now, Joe, you know, he he wrote an email to me when uh, not long after we, uh, he was off the podcast. He said, you know, I have a hard time distinguishing between when you end Trailer Bite. I, I know I mention this every week, but, but between when you end the Trailer Bite segment of Movie Bite and when you start on your news items, or as I like to call them in my show outline, items of interest. So this is your warning, Joe. I know you're listening, or you will be, that uh, I'm moving on now. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. My goodness, I need some water. Mm. Ah, yes, water. <clears throat> so I'm moving on now to items of interest. Obviously, the big news. I've already mentioned this, so I kind of stole my own thunder. <clears throat> but Ben Affleck has been cast to play Batman. This is an interesting casting decision to me. Uh, this is according to uh, the, the link that I chose to post was from IGN.com. Ben Affleck is set to star as Batman in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel sequel, Warner Brothers has announced. As reported by Greg Silverman, president of creative department and worldwide production at Warner Brothers, made the following statement earlier today. We knew we needed an extraordinary actor to take on one of DC Comics' most enduringly popular 
superheroes. And then Affleck certainly fits that bill, and then some. His outstanding career is a testament to his talent, and we know he and Zack will bring new dimension to the duality of his of this character. Ben provides an interesting counterbalance to Henry's Superman, added director Snyder. He has the acting chops to create a layered portrayal of a man who is older and wiser than Clark Kent and bears the scars of a seasoned crime fighter, but retain the charm that the world sees in billionaire Bruce Wayne. I can't wait to work with him. Ah, and uh, so I'm getting some comments in the chat room. You really don't want want me to start with that. I have posted so many things in so many places. Why don't you link me to some, Jody, and I'll see what you got. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I, I'm still not quite sure how I'm supposed to feel about this, how I do feel about it. Uh, at first, I was a little turned off because I, I guess maybe I just wasn't expecting it. And, and here's the thing. Batman was cast so perfectly uh, as with Christian Bale. Uh, but... I have to wonder, like, was would would he, would we have felt the same way? Would had I been in the same place that I in my life that I am now, would I have felt the same way about Christian Bale? What are you doing casting Christian Bale as Batman? Who is he, and why would he be a good Batman? Uh you know. And and here's the thing, like Ben Affleck, he's good. I just don't know if he's Batman. I just can't see it. I liked him. I really liked him in Some of All Fears. I really liked him in Argo. Loved him as the director of Argo and as the actor in Argo. I'm just not seeing him as Bruce Wayne. I, I don't know. Uh, but well, like I said, maybe I would have said the same thing about Christian Bale. Like maybe he he would have, I would have felt the same way about him. And now I feel like maybe because we're casting an actor after Christian Bale played the part and played it so perfectly and we love him so much as Batman that nobody, that anybody they cast would, would we, we would feel this way about them. I don't know. But there's certainly been a lot of negative press about Ben Affleck playing uh batman in man of steel a lot of negative press um and uh you know who knows where this is gonna go i don't know i I, upon further reflection my initial reaction as i mentioned was negative but upon further reflection i think i'll give him a chance i'll give him a chance but but then i don't have a lot invested into the uh i don't have a lot invested into the uh man of steel franchise You, you guys know where i stand on that i don't need to harp on it um yeah, I, you're right, Jody. In the chat room, he says, uh, seeing a lot of comparisons with Keaton. I have seen that too. I, I wasn't. I haven't watched. I like. I've like watched one, or I'm trying to think, maybe two. I think I've watched two of those earlier Batman movies, and I never did like them very much. I'm I'm a big uh, a big fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, certainly, Batman Begins is my favorite. Um, <clears throat> I need a little more water here. And normally, I have somebody else that can talk while I take a swig. So you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> And clear my nose while I do that too. Isn't that nice? <laughs> All right. So, and normally I mute myself when I do that, <clears throat> or if I can. All right. So, um, and then also, uh, Ben Affleck is going to be playing Batman for quite a while, according to Lucy O'Brien, IGN.com. Ben Affleck is set to star, uh, let's see. Mm, I don't have the right link up here. Ah, here we go. This is according to Kevin Jagernoth. I was going to say, I thought I just read that. According to Kevin Jagernoth at The Playlist. Uh, and in, in, in cases... Huh, let me try that again. Blah, 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 blah. And in case it isn't obvious already, the trade also notes that Affleck is signed for multiple movies, which means he'll be wearing that cape and cowl for a while. And more importantly, as many folks have already been pondering, THR says that this whole deal potentially lines Affleck up to star in and direct in the eventual Justice League movie. It doesn't seem to be much more than guesswork now, but you have to remember Affleck was previously offered 
was previously offered Man of Steel and Justice League to direct, turning them both down. Could starring as Batman be a way for him to test the blockbuster waters and see how that machinery works as an actor before committing as a director? Time will tell. And, uh, you know, so we're going to have to settle in and uh, get used to Ben Affleck, I guess. He's been signed for multiple pictures. Let's talk a little bit about Joss Whedon. Uh, and the first, I actually have three links here relating to Joss Whedon because, you know, as a follower of Joss Whedon's work, uh, got to talk about him. Uh, James Hibbard over at Entertainment Weekly uh, talks about uh, why uh, Joss Whedon talking about Ultron and, and how it's going to differ from the comics. Uh, created by a scientist in the Marvel comics, Ultron is a self-aware robot who develops a lust for power. He has a laundry list of abilities, superhuman strength, speed, stamina, durability, flight, mind control, a cone ray, and a genius intellect. For Avengers Age of Ultron, for Avengers Age of Ultron, if I can pronounce, enunciate my words correctly, Whedon reveals to Entertainment Weekly in, his, in this week's cover story that he's stripping back some of Ultron's abilities and will find a way to humanize, to some degree, the angry bot. And I think this is probably uh, obvious to um, any of us who follow Joss Whedon's work uh, that he was going to find a way to humanize the character. Of course, no doubt. This is what Joss Whedon does is he humanizes characters. He's really good at bringing the human element into stories. Certainly that's what he did for the Avengers. I mean, you really connected with some of the characters and got to know them and got into, you know, got into their heads and felt for them, um, you know. And when we, you know, of course, we thought that Coulson was dead, we kind of all cried, or I did. Maybe I'm revealing something about myself, uh, you know. And I, you know, I'm really looking forward to the second installment of the Avengers franchise. Um, uh, so, you know, as I said in the article, is it 2015 yet? <laughs> so I'm I'm ready for that. Um, and here is a little bit of sacrilege from Joss Whedon. He doesn't like the ending of The Empire Strikes Back. And uh, this is, again, according to James Hibbard uh, over at Entertainment Weekly. Make no mistake, is not it's not that Joss Whedon doesn't like The Empire Strikes Back. When recently asked a question about doing a sequel to one of his own works, he cited the favorite uh, entry in the Star Wars saga along with The Godfather Part Two as sequels that got it right. But the Avengers writer-director does have an issue with Empire's ending, or its lack of one to be exact. Empire committed the cardinal sin of not actually ending, Whedon noted during his 10-page deep dive interview with Entertainment Weekly in this week's issue, which at the time I was appalled by and I still think it was a terrible idea. To which your EW interview, interviewer blurted, you think Empire had a bad ending? Well, it's not an ending, Whedon explained about the 1980 film, which had a cliffhanger leading into the next entry of the series Return of the Jedi. It's a comeback next week or in three years, and that upsets me. I go to the movie expecting to have a whole experience. If I want a movie that doesn't end, I'll go to a French movie. <laughs> That's a betrayal of trust to me. A movie has to be complete within itself. It can't just build off the first one or play variations. Uh you know what? Uh, I, I understand what he's saying, but I disagree with him so much. At some point, uh, you've got to you got to concede. Well, yeah, maybe they did that thing that I don't like, but it was a good movie. Uh, I mean, who doesn't like of of all of us nerds? All and I think any probably most of you listening to this podcast are a, a little more of the nerdy sort, right? I mean, in order to listen to podcasts, you got to be a nerd, right? And I think all of us who are nerds and who like Star Wars would call The Empire Strikes Back the best Star Wars film to date. I, I certainly would. And so I can understand his criticism. And I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon, and I still am. This hasn't put me off of Joss Whedon or anything. But I, I don't agree that because the movie didn't you know, 
quote unquote end because it was the second act of a three act arc, if you will, if, if I can use the screenplay metaphor, even though it was a three act screenplay, it was still the middle of a three part story. Of course, it's not going to end. You're not, it's not going to have a complete and total ending. It's going to leave you wanting more because there is more to tell. And, the Empire Strikes Back is such a perfect movie in so many ways. Um, I'm trying to remember if I've reviewed it on the site or talked about it on a podcast. I don't know that we've talked about The Empire Strikes Back. I know Joe and I talked about the first Star Wars film, and, and I'd have to think about it a little harder, but I think I would give The Empire Strikes Back at least four out of five stars, probably four and a half. So, And so many people love the film. And I know that's not always a great measure. Like, so many people love such stupid films. It's not always a great measure for how good uh, a film really is. But I think The Empire Strikes Back has proven itself over time. And so, yes, I understand what Joss Whedon is saying, but I don't mind. I don't mind a good cliffhanger, especially when it's of a beloved series. And and especially when you know you're going to make the next film, it doesn't bother me. So, yeah, I I had a little bit of... uh, I screamed sacrilege when I saw that Joss Whedon had said this, but uh, I'm 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 almost over it now. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just reading through some of the comments here to see if there's anything interesting I can talk about on the show. Uh, Mike Fizzle, Fizz, who's been on the show a couple of times now, he says a flaw for wanting a movie to have an ending. He never said he disliked the movie or anything of the sort. Even the ending, his point seems to be there was no ending to like or dislike. His transcends the on-screen product and dives into filmmaking ideology. I'm guessing he has the same issue with Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. And uh, probably so, although, excuse me, uh, see, normally I have a co-host who can, I, I can I can clear my throat and stuff when, when uh, they're talking. Um, you know, I, I think Harry Potter, certainly the books have less of that issue. Obviously, every single book has you, you know, okay, well, uh, what's going to happen? I mean, obviously, Lord Voldemort has got to be defeated at some point, and so there's that, but I do think they do have more. So, okay, so I understand what he's saying. I just disagree. And finally, the big question, will Joss Whedon kill off an Avenger? Will he do that? Well, I mean, uh, who knows, right? Let, let me let me read this uh, quick excerpt from this article real quick on comicbook.com by Scott Johnson. Director Joss Whedon isn't known to be shy about killing off characters in his movie and television projects. In fact, Whedon actually teased death, death, and death for the Avengers sequel during a recent question and answer session. As part of a lengthy interview in the current issue of Entertainment Weekly, Joss Whedon addressed if he could actually kill off a Marvel icon. Whedon said, I'm always joking about that. Um, maybe. Whedon added, but I'd have to be, it'd have to be a really good reason. A really great sequence for Marvel executives to go, we'll cut off a potential franchise. That's fine. They know as good as any studio does that without some stakes, some real danger, how involved can we get? We don't just rule it out across the board, but neither is the mission statement, who can we kill? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, this is this is kind of the, this is kind of the uh, downer or the, or the kind of the scary thing about liking a film uh, maker like Joss Whedon and following his work. He likes to kill off characters. Uh, yes, he, uh, Jody in the chat room. He killed some folks in Serenity, uh, the movie that that were beloved fan favorites, and he got some flack for that. But you know what? I, I do agree. I, I do understand where he's coming from. If you don't, if you're not willing to kill characters. In your story, sometimes it can be a little stale. It can be a little like, oh, well, there's no real peril here. It's not They're not going to die. But if you take a character and kill them, especially the more beloved, the more prominent, the more this works, 
then if and especially if you do that early, then for the rest of the series or the rest of the movie or whatever it is, you're on the edge of your seat. Nothing is sacred anymore. All of a sudden, there's real stakes and there's real drama. I get it. I understand why he does it. It's just that sometimes, you know, it, it, you you kind of love to hate Joss Whedon for doing it sometimes because you love the character so much. Um, and to your question earlier, I, I missed it at the time, Jody. Yes, I uh, I did cry, and I I uh, I have been known to cry when stories are sad or someone gets killed or something. So, <laughs> uh, and Coulson was no exception. Uh, and like I said, if if you don't kill one once in a while, uh, you know it's 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 it's, it's tricky though. Um, if you uh, if you kill characters uh, too often, you you run the risk of uh, of 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 really angering your fan base and you've got to really walk that line. Joss Whedon, I think sometimes skirts very dangerously across the, you know, near that invisible line. It's kind of an unknowable line about ticking off the fans, but yet, you know, got to, got to up the stakes and in the, in the drama. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, can he, uh, so to the question, can he actually kill off an Avenger? Hmm. Probably not. I'll bet he could kill Hawkeye though. Much as I like Hawkeye. And then here's the thing too. Like he's been talking about how there's a better story for Hawkeye. But that doesn't necessarily rule out killing him. Like maybe the better story is he sacrifices himself toward the end of the uh, of, of the film to give us a better drama and high stakes. You know, who knows? I'm, I, w- I certainly wouldn't put it past him. I don't even think, although less likely because Joss Whedon really likes his strong female characters. But I don't. I wouldn't put it beyond the realm of possibility that Black Widow could get killed off. Uh, I think these characters are not untouchable. Characters uh, like Iron Man are probably a little more untouchable, at least right now. Even though they're done with Iron Man, you just can't kill off characters like that, I think. Per, you know, I, I don't know if any of the Avengers themselves, uh, any of the big Avengers, and, and I know technically Hawkeye and, and the Black Widow are too, but they don't have their own standalone movies. Uh, I don't think you could kill off any of the Avengers that have their own franchises going. I don't think Marvel will allow that. So time will tell. We will find out. And as you can tell, I'm very interested in into. Uh, the Marvel Universe right now, even though I'm not a big comic book fan. Uh, how am I doing, Jody? Have I slowed down a little bit? I'm not breezing through stuff as much. I've been talking for almost 45 minutes, I think. Uh, yeah, 44 or something or other. Uh, all right. Haley Atwell joins uh, Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella. And this makes me a little more interested in, in the film. I, I was not sold on the idea of a live-action Cinderella, and I'm still not. And uh, yet I liked Haley Atwell in a Captain America so much, and I'm so torn and saddened about the fact that she can't be in it in the same capacity in, in uh, did I say Thor, Captain America, Captain America 2, just because we're seven years in the future now, and Captain America is the only one that advanced that far ahead. Um, so anyway, Haley Atwell has joined the cast as to what role she's playing. We don't know yet, but she tweeted out, uh, she's shooting, uh, she's, she tweeted shooting Kenneth Branagh, Cinderella and Pinewood this week. And there is no word yet on her role, but the film does also star, uh, Kate Blanchett as the evil stepmother. Game of Thrones star Richard Madden as the prince, along with Holiday Granger and Sophie McShira as the stepsisters. So maybe Atwell is uh, joining as Cinderella. I don't think we've heard who's actually been cast as Cinderella. Again, wasn't sold on this concept, but I'm a little more interested now. So that that link will be in the show notes if you want to read more. Star Wars Episode Seven will be shot on film, and you cannot believe how excited I am to hear this. Uh, the last two Star Wars films, the uh, episodes two and three, the prequels, were shot digitally. And, you know, that's fine as far as it goes. I'm not against shooting digitally, and I'm certainly not against digital technologies. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm a huge geek when it comes to digital technology. Um, but 
I, I think that still you can get a far better look, and this comes from me being a filmmaker, uh, at least you know by trade, at least uh, in my previous job. Know that I'm doing web development, but I'm not removed from filmmaking. Anyway, um, I just know that right now you can still, and, and and yeah, people people will question this. I've had people say, "Oh, certainly digital is better quality or whatever." No, actually, you can still get a better quality and a better look. There's there's an indefinable quality about film. That really, it just has a special look to it. It's hard to describe, but it has a look to it, and, and it has a much higher dynamic range, and and uh, can can work better with low light or or with with a lot of light. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a really, a, I just love the look of film, even even if it's projected digitally. There's something about capturing on film that is different, and. Uh, yeah, I, I find this news extremely refreshing, and I, but it's not surprising either because J.J. Abrams has mentioned before his preference for film. And in fact, famously, he shot Star Trek, the first Star Trek film and Star Trek Into Darkness on film. Uh, among other reasons, he likes the way he can get the good lens flares with, with film lenses and anamorphic lenses in a way that you can't do with digital, but but for other reasons too. And, and I'm a big fan of film. Uh, he's going to be working with cinematographer Dan Mendel. Uh, and uh, they're going to be shooting Star Wars Episode Seven on film. This comes as I'm trying to see if there's any other information here that I can let you know about. Uh, will be shot on Kodak film stock 5219, uh, not digital cameras like the last couple of prequel movies. The Phantom Menace was the last Star Wars film to be shot with film cameras, although some trivia fanatics, uh, fanatics will note the movie did include a digitally photographed shot. Uh, yeah, I really, uh, <laughs> Jody in the chat room, I really hope that... Uh, uh, Star Wars Episode Seven doesn't have the lens flares to the extent that uh, Star Trek does, but we'll see. It is J.J. Abrams. So, uh, well, I think it's time now to dive into my uh, thoughts and my take on the Mortal Instruments City of Bones. I don't have anyone here to review the film with me, so this will be interesting, and I'm just going to have a monologue about, as I have been having, about how I feel about this film. And uh, so... First, let me open up this link here, uh, Mortal Instruments City of Bones book series, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. City of Bones is a fantasy book in the New York Times best-selling The Mortal Instruments City, uh, uh, The Mortal Instruments series, a young adult urban fantasy series set in New York, written uh, New York City, written by Cassandra Clare. It was originally titled Mortal Instruments City of Bones. The novel has been released in several languages, including German. Uh, Italian, French, and Spanish. Um, so it's it's no surprise, I think, to me uh, that this film and this book series have been made. Uh, it's not been that long ago since the book books were published, and uh, now the film, of course, is following on the heels of the books. Um, and, and it's obviously trying to capitalize on the success of the, uh, of you know films like Harry Potter of, of series like Harry Potter, uh, The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, Twilight, Narnia, and to a lesser extent Percy Jackson, Aragon, even the likes of The Hunger Games. And uh, you know I hear that the I'm, I'm tipping my hand a little bit here. I hear that the book series is better than the film. I found the film to be dreadful, not just bad, dreadful. In my review, which will be in the show notes, I gave it only one star. I don't do that often. Uh, the last film that I, well, I, you know, a Cloud Atlas, I gave half a star, and only because, like, well, can I give it no stars? I, like, I, I don't know. I suppose technically you can if it's a ten-point scale, but I gave it half a star because it was one of. The, I think it's probably the worst film I've ever seen. This comes pretty close, uh, and I was not expecting that. And, and uh, you know, I guess. Uh, 
like Fizz told me that it was going to be bad. And you know what, Fizz, you were right. You were right, man. I I, I admit it. Uh, it. It was not a great film. Uh, it opened in theaters on August the 21st. It had a budget of $60 million. Opening weekend, $9.3 million is all, all it brought in on a budget of $60 million. <laughs> Not good. So $9.3 million over the weekend. The total gross so far uh, is $24 million. And yes, Jody, one star out of five. That is uh, two of ten, if you will, on a ten-point scale. Here, here's my review, buddy. Check it out. Um, so... Critical acclaim, the mortal instrument City of Bones borrows ingredients from seemingly every fantasy franchise of the last 30 years, but it can't seem to figure out what to do with them. It was directed by Harold Zwart, uh, who directed The Karate Kid in 2010 and The Pink Panther 2. I've heard good things about The Karate Kid, t- uh, the, Karate Kid uh, the new one, uh, and bad things about The Pink Panther 2. Uh, writers uh, Jessica Postigo wrote the screenplay, and Cassandra Clare, of course, wrote the novels. It stars Lily Collins as Clary, uh, Jamie Campbell Bower as Jace, Kevin Zegers as Alec, J- uh, Jemima West as Isabel, Robert Sheehan as Simon, CCH Pounder as Dorothea, Jared Harris as Hodge, Jonathan Rice Myers as Valentine, Aiden Turner as Luke. Music by some unpronounceable name at Atlee Wev. Everson? I don't know. So let me tell you a little about the story. It was set in contemporary New York City. A seemingly ordinary teenager, Clary Frey, uh, Clary Frey, did I say that correctly, discovers uh, she is the descendant of a line of shadow hunters, a secret cadre of young half-angel warriors locked in an ancient battle to protect our world from demons. After the disappearance of her mother, uh, Clary must join forces with a group of shadow hunters who introduce her to a dangerous alternate New York called Downworld, filled with demons, warlocks, vampires, werewolves, and other deadly creatures. Um, so, yeah, as I said, it, it's really no surprise. I mean, it feels like they wanted to capitalize on the fantasy genre for sure. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you've got the success of Harry Potter uh, kind of back here. And, and, and you know what? Harry Potter... The, the difference here is that Harry Potter had a really, really good story to tell. Uh, there, the, yeah, there's some silly aspects of Harry Potter. Certainly, especially the first couple of novels were more geared towards children. But, but, but the the story, the the overarching story of Harry Potter was such a good one that whatever weaknesses might have been there, it was overcome. And you know what? Harry Potter was really well written. I have no idea whether the novels for uh, the Mortal Instrument, City of Bones, are well-written. But I can tell you that the screenplay for the movie was not. And here, here's here's kind of like what I'm talking about. Like, it, it felt like at times, like, the dialogue would be humming along. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. And then all of a sudden, it would get really clunky. It was almost as if they were trying to insert dialogue that was well-known or famous from the books into the movies and failing miserably. It's just terribly clunky dialogue. Um... Yeah, I have here, you know, I have my list of likes and dislikes, and I put here on my likes, I'm not really sure if I have any, I suppose I like the idea of the film, it had, it, and this is the thing, like, it had the trappings of a good fantasy film, and I love a good fantasy film, uh, I, I, I really love a good fantasy story, I should say, not just a film, but any good fantasy story, and I tend to like the books better, although I have so little time to read now that I'm an adult, a working adult, that I work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, on my day job, and of course I'm trying to keep up with Movie Bite and watch movies, and I just, uh, you know, I'm listening to audiobooks, so I just don't have time to sit down and read anymore. But 
But I do tend to like fantasy books. I really like to get lost in fantasy and uh, and, and kind of relax and, and, and let, you know, just go off into another world. And that's what I was hoping to have done with The Moral Instrument City of Bones. But it was so poorly written and so poorly constructed. And they took every conceivable thing from the fantasy genre, different various fantasy genres, all the leftover droppings and trappings, and put them in into a story so ineptly. Can you tell I don't like this film? <laughs> um, I, it moves between these scenes and these story beats with all the skill of an overgrown pig. I mean, it's just like there was no connectivity. There was no reason why things were happening. There was just, it's just like, oh, we we want to we want to jump on the fantasy bandwagon. Um, yeah, it it never it never drew me in. It never I never cared what happened to any of the characters. I didn't care. That, that the characters were in peril or not. I just, I, I really didn't care. Um, the thing I've written here, the film is littered with the remains of nearly every single fantasy genre ever. Uh, okay, it was, it was hard to tell what side of the conflict the characters were on often. It was just, it was, it was a nightmare. It was just horrible. The worst part, though, but perhaps the worst part, I don't know. There's a lot of bad parts is the whole angsty teen romance thing. Like, one minute, Clary and Jace are off doing their thing and killing a couple of vampires and some demons and whatnot, and then all of a sudden, they're they're walking to this strange arboretum thing where plants and flowers are growing, and then all of a sudden, the very next scene, uh, Clary is talking to Simon, and this upsets Jace. Uh, Simon's one of the characters, and she, she he's known Clary for longer. She doesn't look at him as some... Uh, she doesn't look at him as some love interest, and he's looking at her as love interest. Obviously, there's a love triangle here. Oh, we should throw in a love triangle because it works so well in Twilight, you see. I, that's, that was my take on that. But so all of a sudden, then he says to Clary, some, what was it? It was something like, uh, you, you, you despise our love, or you, don't, you, you think so lowly of our love. You do not think highly of our love. It was something like that. It was so stupid. And then all of a sudden, uh, oh, you and, – and, I don't know. It was it was horrible. It was terrible. It was the whole teen romance angsty. <laughs> so over it. I'm so over it. On top of all that, it had poor G- CGI and special effects. Uh, there's just no excuse for that in 2013. The the werewolves were terrible. They were terrible. Um, it just there was yeah. I mean, and it looked and here's the thing. Like I wondered too. Like maybe because I was so unengaged by the story that I was more likely to notice the bad CGI. Maybe I would have forgiven it. Maybe I wouldn't even have noticed it had I been involved in the story. I don't know. I don't know. Um. So so here's the thing. Yes, Harry Potter was extremely successful series, both in book form and in movie form. Twilight, whether you love it or whether you hate it, you have to admit that it was extremely successful. Um. They've made a lot of money with that series, and here's why. Bottom line, here's why this is. It's because both of them have really good stories. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Twilight does have a really good story. Mixed in and around with all the horrible cheesiness and all the terrible love uh, story and and the the looking into the Edward's liquid golden eyes. Yes, I've read the books. Uh, Staring into his liquid topaz eyes and just flourishing on and on about his eyes. I mean, okay, so yes, there's bad writing in the Twilight series. And yes, there's there's love triangle, but, but, here's the thing. There is actually a good story in there. And there's a really good story in Harry Potter. There is not a good story in the Mortal Instruments City of Bones. It's terrible. It is terrible. Uh, I, I, I just can't 
tell you how terrible this film is. I have no interest in seeing the sequel. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. Like if somebody else were here uh, on the podcast with me, maybe they could talk some more and then I could uh, be inspired to say something else about it. But uh, uh, right now I uh, I can't think of anything else to say about it. <laughs> Jody in the chat room says I need to turn in my man card. Well, fine, whatever, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so that's, that's how I feel about the Mortal Instrument City of Bones. Not, uh, not a great film. Uh, like I said, I give it one out of five stars. Uh, oh, I forgot to put the, uh, ratings for IMDb and stuff in here. Let me, let me pull those up. Um, and no, no, it's not, uh, Jody in the chat room is asking about the money. It's not making any money at all. It's, it's, uh, it's doing very poorly. So on, uh, the Mortal Instrument City of Bones on IMDb is getting a 6.9 out of 10. So... I don't know, IMDb, I don't, I don't know, that, that feels high. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it is only garnering a 12% approval rating from critics. 73% from the audience, though. So, uh, you know, I guess all these teenagers are going on to Rotten Tomatoes and rating it. Uh, for some reason, I suppose it has appeal to them. Um, uh, it's just terrible, just terrible. Well, I think that's all I have this week. Um, and, you know, it's probably a good thing that's a shorter show. I've had a long day. I've had to have had to have had to deal with. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I had to deal with air conditioning stuff this year. Oh man, I thought the house was burning down. You mind if I talk a minute? I'm asking you as you guys as if you can respond, Jody. I guess you could respond. Uh, uh, yeah, we thought the house was burning down. Turns out it was just the air conditioning unit. So uh, anyway, uh, next week I'm going to be talking about closed circuit, and uh, at least I think I am. Hmm, it says not playing in my area. Hmm. Let me let me double check that before I say for sure. Uh, zip code. Make sure the zip code is right. Hmm. Okay, movie overview. When did it open? August twenty eighth. Well, that's not good. Well, I'd like to talk about closed circuit next week, but if not, if not, let me see what else is available. Uh, I really want to want to see closed circuit. It looks like a great upcoming film. I suppose we could talk about Getaway next week. Um, no, I'm not going to look. No, not One Direction. No, no, no. Probably should see The Butler. I don't know. What do you think, Jody? Anything in the... You are cleared Whoa, for hey. From hey, did I give you permission to play an ad? <clears throat> Fandango. All right. This is, this is the interesting part of the show, guys. Let's see what's in theaters here. Opening this week. Uh... Hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to commit to anything. I would like to. I would like to watch Closed Circuit. Uh, I think that looks pretty interesting. Uh, I have a my movie section Fandango here. Let me go to that and let me see what's in theaters. Uh, Getaway. It says Closed Circuit is in theaters. Um, already talked about Jobs. Already talked about Elysium, Wolverine. Blah blah blah. Okay. Well, to be announced. To be announced. We'll talk about something good, and I'm going to try to get somebody on the show with me. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, so, uh, I appreciate very much you guys listening and putting up with me monologuing about, uh, films. If you want to, uh, find the show notes online for this podcast, you can do so at, for this particular episode at moviebyte.com slash MB podcast slash, uh, 58. This is the 58th episode. Um, and, uh, if you want to keep up with me online, you can do that at, uh, uh, Twitter, TJ Draper Pro is where I'm at. Uh, Facebook.com slash TJ Draper. You can find me on Letterboxd. I, I realized the other day that I was terribly out of date on Letterboxd. Uh, L E T T 
E-R-B-O-X-D.com. That's where I keep kind of log the films that I watch, but I realized I was terribly behind, so I got that all up to date. Ooh, I, I, uh, you know what? I may, I may talk about In a World next week. Uh, that I know that I know a theater that's playing at is a limited release, but uh, that looks very interesting to me. Anyway, stay tuned uh, and keep an eye on moviebyte.com to see what I might be talking about next week. Um, that's it. Uh, make sure to uh, give us ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you haven't already gone to iTunes and rated this podcast, please give me a five-star rating and give me a good review. Maybe that'll maybe I'll get some interest from some uh, good likely co-hosts. Need, need a good steady co-host. So, um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>